So we live in a day and age where political correctness has its noose around the neck of our country. How will we respond? What are the solutions? What is a strategy to push back against and war against this political correct spirit that is killing not only the church, but our entire country, our land? How did we get here? How did this happen? Well, welcome to the Grace House podcast. Brian Phillips here with you today. I'm in the studio with Dr. David Robinson, who's becoming not only someone I admire and respect, but becoming a friend. And I'm in here in the studio with him today, so we're going to dive into this conversation. Before we do so, I'd like to ask you to take a moment to subscribe to this podcast, share it with some of your friends, and jump on over sometime when you get a chance, when you're sitting down on your recliner and you're just chilling out, get on graceops.net. Just check out the the language we've crafted and the passion and the vision that we're rolling out. We'd love to have you part of our email subscription as well. All right. Well, hey, David, welcome to the podcast today. We're going to be talking about political correctness and what is a good strategy. So a strategy to actually overcome it because in, in some ways it feels hopeless. It feels hopeless. Well, it's good to have you here today. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Brian. <laughs> good to be with you again. And, and, uh, and you're a wealth of resource. I mean, you've written seven books. You've been a great leader in the church world. You've been a great leader in the marketplace. And now you're in a season of your life where you call it being like a father. Exactly. Pouring into guys like me. And I'm sure you got more, a whole list of guys like me that you spend time with. And I appreciate your time. Sure. Well, when I rolled past 60, the Lord said, it's time for you to go home and be a father and not be a warrior anymore, though I still war in the spirit as we all do. But uh, I've enjoyed being a father. I dress the young ones for battle, pack their lunch, pray with them, say, I'll be here when you get home. That's right. <laughs> and so I see him coming over the hill all beat up and battered and bruised, and I said, that's pretty rough at the front, isn't it? And, um, but um, we have some great young people that are arising today across this country, and you're one of them. Mm. And I want to encourage all you that follow this podcast that um, Brian Phillips, I've grown to appreciate it's through a mutual friend that we yeah, have in right. Texas. And we're going to get Steve on the podcast too. Excellent. Maybe uh, the three of us should do an episode. Yeah, I, I think yeah. that that would be great. We'll do that next time. We'll get Steve yeah. on. But um, anyhow, uh, I enjoy being a father. Uh, the Bible says we have um, a lot of instructors, but few fathers. Yeah. And so... Um, I enjoy being one. Well, we did a podcast not too long ago about possess three gates we must possess. You've written books about this. You've you provide a day of strategy for this. I mean, you're well. Re- you're not just talking about something. You're actually offering solutions and strategies to correct it. And the three gates that you identify very strongly, and I love it because it's summarized. It's it's I like the seven mountain idea that's out there in church culture, but you actually take that a little bit more summarized, and you talk about how the marketplace and government and education are the three gates, the, the three places of influence. I I remember when God gave Lauren Cunningham the vision for the seven mountains of influence. I appreciate the message, support it wholeheartedly. And uh, when I began almost 20 years ago now, asking the Lord, how did our country get to where it is? When I came back from Southeast Asia in 1966, 
after serving our country over there, I couldn't believe what I was seeing just in the two years I was away. He said, because the church has abandoned the three gates of influence. And they are business, which pays for everything. Uh, Deuteronomy 8.18, I believe, it is God who giveth power to get wealth. So God has gifted uh, people to create wealth. Uh, government, which controls everything through laws and regulations. And then the educational institution, which is the third gate that determines the values, worldview, philosophy of both the business people and the government people. So those are the three gates of influence. There are 345 gates, references in the Old Testament. So I've spent the last 20 years really studying about how did the enemy get a hold of our country. This whole issue of political correctness uh, is just simply a result of the Great Enlightenment in the middle 1500s when God was kicked out. If you couldn't prove it scientifically through empirical scientific evidence, then it must be a myth. And it's yeah. all been downhill since then. Yeah, and, I, and, and political correctness is extremely frustrating because it's actually not about politeness, and it's, it's actually, it actually is about control. This is an agenda that is out in the broader world in our school systems today. Uh, I run and bump into it all the time with my kids especially now that they're doing school at home and, and I can overhear the teachers talk. <laughs> uh, afterwards, I'm like, well, they said this and you need to be saying that or you need to be thinking this way. But, it, but political correctness is actually, it, I described it at right out of the shoots as a noose around our country. It is, it is a full-on attack to control society, to silence anything that disagrees with it, to shut down anything, to label it, call it, you know, phobics, haters. I mean, this is not about, the political correctness is not about politeness. It's rooted in a spirit that wants to control the land. And it has got massive amounts of energy. I mean, the aggravations I have as a man in my generation of just when I grew up as a young guy to today, you know, this whole idea that everybody gets a trophy, this idea of, gender confusion, safe zones, you know, go get a dog to coddle with, fatherlessness. I mean, I understand there's a lot of problems. I'm not just trying to pick on things. But the idea of speaking truth now of days, even if you do it as nice as you possibly can, it's offensive to people. I don't want to hear truth because what we've done is we replaced the absolute truth with the way we feel. It's about how I feel today. And so there, there was a way that political correctness got to where it is today. What, what, what do you, we, we talked about that. What do you, how would you identify the success that political correctness, how, the, how did they get to where they are? How did this agenda, because it's not about being nice. It's not about like, hey, just love your neighbor. And because if it was about that, we could all disagree with each other. But political correctness has no room for disagreeance. No, and no room for coexistence either. No room, right. Zero. Um. This whole thing started as a result of secular humanism, which was planted as a seed of philosophical thought in the late 1880s in the university system in America. And it, made, it took 300 years, that thought, to make it over from Europe. Um, that if you can't prove things scientifically, then it's a myth. And so all faith, all religion is a myth in their eyes. And... Um, they, they started to teach that. And then in the middle 
1920s, the Scopes trial, uh, the monkey trials, they call it, where they wanted to teach Darwin's theory of evolution as fact, and so they ended up in court. And the court agreed with them that the school systems across America had to teach Darwin's theory of evolution. They didn't want to kick out God's creation word. They just wanted a piece of the action. They wanted a place at the table. And that was the beginning of it. And um, today we see the result of that. That little Johnny has two mommies. Little Susie has two daddies. They don't know which bathroom to use. The strongest lobbyist in America is the NEA, National Education Association. Every parent listening owes it to themselves and their family to read a book called None Dare Call It Education. None, comma, Dare Call It Education. It was written in the 1990s, but it's very relevant today because it chronicles how Secular humanism got a hold of the public school systems in America. And uh, it is really an eye-opener because they got a hold of our government and the representatives. And if you want to be elected today, you want the NEA to back you up or it's going to be a long haul. Yeah, the, the political correctness has, it has stepped into that gate and, and dominates that gate of education. And also takes over government, and it's it's massively huge in our marketplace. I mean, this thing has got its tentacles everywhere. The noose is around the, our neck, and we talked about it before we went live. There's a window of time, but political correctness is actually it's it, I in my opinion it promotes the victim mentality. It promotes the world owes me something. It, it's it's actually one of the reasons why we have delayed. Uh, launch into adulthood you know there used to be i think more of the biblical worldview or even just the older american way before our wars you were a child and then you were an adult you know now we have teenagers we've got young adults we've got all these different categories of uh and it just promotes delay in being responsible as a man so political correctness i believe is killing masculinity they're even going after masculinity now. That if you're if you're a really responsible man, you know they're they're labeling us as toxic. You know if I would if I were to step out and protect my family, or God forbid, somebody would come into this building we're in now and and try to do you or I harm, I would take measures to stop them, even lethal measures if I had to. And I have no problem with that. But that's called nowadays that's called toxic. Big problems with this political correctness. It's I mean it's driving. I think about like the the mindset of people, like to even speak against it triggers them to like, oh my gosh, because political correctness is trying to shut the mouth. It it wants you to silence. You be quiet. You bow down. You follow our agenda and our agenda only, and that's really where it's going. And the noose is tightening. So the the more that noose tightens, the the harder it will get to actually have a voice to speak. And when you speak against it with any measure of truth. They've trained the whole world to make you look like a bigot, a hater, or you have some type of phobia. I mean, it's a painful thing, isn't it, Dr. David? This Absolutely. Is, to me, this is a painful thing as a man. It's annoying. and The church has allowed this to happen, and they could stop it if they want to. 
we have to really come to grips with how we lost our Christian nation to the secular humanist and the politically correct people. And it started in the educational systems. Um, what is taught in the classroom in one generation becomes the government of the next generation. And just so, slow, wait, just slow down a moment. That's that's a big thought. What's taught in one generation becomes the government in the next, of generation. The next generation. Yes. When I went to school up until I was a junior in high school. Our teacher read the Bible every day. We said to our father, it was either in the individual classroom or over the sound system. I mean, God was honored until I was a junior in high school, and the teacher said we can no longer do that because a little woman in Texas decided she didn't want her two boys to have to hear the Bible read and a prayer given every day. And so she figured out how to use the laws. And Madeline Murray O'Hare, a very famous name, got prayer and Bible reading as a way of life kicked out of our school system. And so that was my generation. My kids went to school, never heard the Bible being read, it's just been a gradual yeah. diminishing. Yeah, I never heard the Bible when I was a kid in school. And uh, it's school. all by design. The enemy has wanted control since day one. And Jesus said, I have come to destroy the works of darkness. Right. And that same, the same spirit of Christ is in us today. And we should be men of war in the spirit and in our deeds, not necessarily, you know, flesh and blood, but, but against the spirit of political correctness, we've got to actually position ourselves to fight and win. I love, I love your heart because you're, I agree with you on so many of the things you say. It's like, it's not just about going and praying about it. Yes, pray about it. And if you're not praying about it, that's a, that would be an, an error. But th- that faith also has to work its way into our deeds. We have to be doing some things. So political correctness is actually silencing the mouth of the church. You identified something very powerful in our pre-conversation here. You, you identified this, and I want to put this out there because I love how you, you never divert from this strategy. It's always about the people of God doing it the way God designed it, and then the world will be fine. Like, it'll work if we just do God's design. I love how you can, you never, you've never changed that in all of our conversations. It's, I asked you a question, I'm expecting this beautiful answer, this power, and you're like, oh, I'm like, oh, you already said it like 18 times. I just got to <laughs> get that down. But you said 80% of church leadership is led by pastors, not fighters. They're menders. They're healers. What, what, what do you mean by that? Pastor is a term of endearment more than anything else. He's my shepherd. He's my pastor. It's wonderful, but that is a title, a position, a gift, a function are all four. And so the word pastor in the King James is only mentioned one time in Ephesians 4. There are four other gifts mentioned in Ephesians 4. And um, 
So if you have a title and a gifting of a pastor, it's a wonderful gift. It's one of the five. It's critical to the whole picture of the church. But when you have that gift elevated to a place of giving leadership to the army of God, I don't think an (laughs) army of lions is going to follow a shepherd for too long. No, we we need apostolic leadership in the church. I wrote the book, The Abominable Snowman, God's Gift of Apostolic Leadership to the Church. And uh, when the church gets that lined up right, but you talked about being a warrior. If you're a man listening today or a woman, Ephesians 6 is all about getting dressed for battle. I mean, uh, why do we talk about Ephesians 6 and yet we never go to war? Right. We pray about it. We talk about it. We have meetings about it. We, you know, we do everything but go do war. Right. Uh, song went right. through Even the write ch- books about it, right? Right. Oh, <laughs> like, if we never have had a seminar, a, have a conference about it, but Rick let's not R- do it. <laughs> yeah. Rick Renner, whose ministry comes out of Russia, uh, has written a book called Dress to Kill. It's one of the best books on Ephesians 6 that you can get. I've never met Rick personally, but I've read a number of his books. Um, but the church was equipped by God, trained by the Holy Spirit to do battle. And uh, we let sickness reign. We let the enemy destroy our families. We let the enemy just come in and pretty well do everything he wants to do. We don't like it as the church, but we've allowed the enemy to control our environment. When, hey, we're living in an example of that right now. covid has exactly. come in and literally shut the church down at large. Yeah. And dictated. I mean, I just, I because just learned the, the other shepherds, day that there's some... Pa- I, anyway, I'm not into the mask thing. I don't do it. I get it. But, <laughs> but I'm not going to ask my church to put a mask on. No, I had COVID. Some, if they want to do it, that's fine, but they don't have to do it. You know, I had COVID for about three days back in March. Yeah. But, um, you know, the... And you're 70... Four. 74, so... About three days. Um, my wife just had it here about a month and a half ago, and she's fine. Um, you know, it's a very heavy strain of the flu, no doubt about it. Uh, I've had a number of friends who had underlying conditions that passed away, so I don't discount it. I, I agree with you. But um, we should be dictating to the world, not the world dictating to us. And God promised us that we would possess the gates of those who hate us. Genesis 24, verse 16. But even when you say that, though, okay, you're saying that, I fully agree with you, but the feeling, right? Even when you said it, I could feel it. Like the the sense of that political correct spirit noose around the neck of even the church saying, yeah, you you just shut up and you go sit down and you fall in line and you, you just, it's like to even talk, any way, shape, or form dressed to kill in the body of Christ or the church world or even, you know, to our podcast episode. A lot of people that follow us are going to love this episode because we're actually talking about something that most people don't talk about. And we're also going to get ready to offer a solution here. How do we correct this? But even just when you say that, I feel like you can feel the pressure. The stage has been set. And if we stop talking now, or we if we if we don't put the action needed now, what do you think our future will be like if we don't if we don't go after 
pushing back against this thing now? Because there's a window of time, but that window is closing, right? We have one generation, Brian, your generation, if, if they don't turn America around, America as it was founded, the America that the generation I grew up in will be gone. It'll be yeah. over. Um, but we can still do it. But we're going to have to not just have the locker room meetings. We're going to have to go play the game. I mean, uh, I played a lot of football in high school in the Air Force, uh, undefeated in the locker room, never lost a game. But we have to go to the field. And uh, people listening today, the men and women who are listening, you go to the battlefield every day. Do you want to go, and as you talked about having this noose around your neck, or do you want to go as a warrior? But... um, I have a very good friend that works with a network of 50,000 underground churches in China, and there are people in that network that are killed every day because they will not deny Christ. It may come to America, and the question is, do we have church leaders that are willing to maybe go to prison, that are willing to be attacked? Where are the mega church leaders today all across America? I have yet to hear one. They're sitting back and enjoying their cush bank accounts. See? So it's not going to be the megachurch leaders. It's going to be the army of God, the guys that are on the front lines every day say, you know, I've had enough of this. Yep. I'm not going to be mean-spirited about it. Yep, that's right. But I am not going to just take whatever the enemy is going to throw my way. No. And I think part of the, the, the issue is the ma- masculine men – ignored a lot of the LGBTQ agenda. We kind of turned our head, hoping that it would kind of figure itself out. It hasn't figured itself out. It actually rose to a place of power. And actually, I want to kind of shift into, um, and, I, and I, I bring up LGBTQ because even that's not politically correct. You know, you can't, you can't say anything bad about, um, you can't say anything bad about that organization, period. Or you're, you're a hater. And it's, I've worked with, people who are homosexual for over two decades. I've got great, I've had great friendships. I, and that's the thing, my, my whole thing with all my friends who are in that community is can't we just agree to disagree? And on a personal level, we do. And we find a way to be civil with one another. But it's like that agenda is not okay with that as a long going op, uh, option. You know, we don't want to disagree with you. We want to rule you. And we've already defined on here, the problems of political correctness, how it's got its tentacles in government, marketplace, and in education. It's rooted in education. It's actually killing. We can't ignore this anymore. We, we, we just cannot ignore this anymore. We've got to get in the fight, and we've got to start turning the tide. So let's offer a solution and a, or a strategy as we close this out. How do we do this? How do we have hope that we can win this battle against political correctness? Well, Brian, I'm not promoting what I do, but one of the things that I offer is what I call Transforming Your City Day. It's about a five- to six-hour day, and I wrote a little 90-page book called Possessing the Gates of Your Enemy, which is a giveaway. Everyone who comes to these, I give them a book, and it's the biblical strategy of how to regain the moral high ground in your city. The battle for America, as it is in every country, is at the local level. 
And so there are three gates that control every city in America and every city in the world, and that is the business people pay for everything. The government people control everything through legislation and laws, and the educational people determine the values, philosophy, and worldview that both the business people and the government people use every day. How America got to where it is today is because secular humanism, the political correctness roots, have influenced the business people to put their money behind those who promote political correctness. And there are many names out there. Is it an agenda? It's an agenda, a clear agenda, and the church does not have a clear agenda strategy on how to do it. We must take back every school board, every city council, and every county commission. In the Dallas-Fort Worth area, a huge area, I did a survey with a group of church leaders down there about five years ago. Conservative estimate, the churches in the Dallas-Fort Worth area give, on average, about $2.5 billion a year into the kingdom through their offerings and donations. And yet not one city council, not one school board, and not one county commission is dominated by Christians. They're all dominated. Now, there are good Christians on those, but they have to bend to right. the weight of the majority. It's time. This is how the enemy got our country, and this is how we're going to get it back. We need to pray, absolutely. We need to believe God for a revival, absolutely. But it's time to go and take back the three gates of influence that control these cities. So the strategy to fight against the political correct spirit that has its noose around our neck, it's not an overnight win. It's not a prayer closet only issue. We're not just praying about this. But the point of action is to yourself or support somebody else to get into these actual seats of influence. You're saying the same strategy they kind of took over the last, what, 60 uh, years? Well, probably um, almost 100 years now from the time that the Scopes trial. Secular humanism. Secular humanism rose its ugly head. If you want to know about secular humanism, go into any, uh, any bookstore, and uh, if they're large enough, they'll have the secular humanist man, uh, magazine. Because, and, and, and I like to say this. Not all teachers are bad. No. Right? There are a lot of but, great but teachers. But the education system controls what they can and can't do. I've had hundreds of school teachers with tears running down their eyes in right. these, in these uh, Transforming Your City Day Say, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I either have a job or I have to walk away from my job. Right. And it's, you know, my heart goes out to them. Uh, we've, it's taken uh, almost two generations to get to where we are from where our country was founded. And it's going so to take a generation to get it back. if we do hard work now, 2020... You're saying maybe by 2035, 2040, we could be seeing some things turn, but we got to get busy at the work. God can do a quick work. Well, right. I so get, I don't right, know, but, but it, it's not going to happen. It's not right? going to happen. That's right. But 14 years of a generation. You're, you're think, I'm thinking like we've got to get a lot of people. This isn't just a prayer issue. You know, you might be a guy here listening on this podcast or 
a woman saying, Hey, I'm not really into the God thing, but I want to restore virtue and character. And that's really what the grace stops. That's what our whole culture is about is restoring virtue and character. We lost that political correctness doesn't care about your character and virtue. They only care about telling you to live whatever way that makes you feel good. Who cares about truth? Who cares about the moorings of a culture and society? And it's just an attack. And you're saying, so we're up against a hundred year strategy that's, that's really rooted in a powerful way in our culture. And it's actually crazy annoying and frustrating because it's painful to watch. That's why I, I only get frustrated because I care and I love and it's hard to watch. So. There's something that everyone can do in your city. Find out what the openings are on these county commission, city council, and school board. And the body of Christ can put their people there. And in time, we make the decision. It's the yeah. way they got it, and it's the way I think we're going to get it back. So we have to be aggressive and be prepared for a patient long haul. Yeah. Be prepared for the, the strategy to take time. It's not an overnight thing. And Well, it's been really awesome to have you with us here, Dr. David, and I, I think this has been a really great episode. I hope that you uh, have taken something out of here that you can take away in your life as a point of action. I know that we do these podcast because we love you we care about you and we're here to empower you we're here to empower you to live upright so next time until next time as i always say live upright peace out